Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. It's me, Ollie Hunter. Matt Sherry is joining us because Will has been kicked off the pod for fantasy football transgression. So I'll explain that. We'll get Matt's take on the Jalen Ramsey situation. We'll also get his take on the Antonio Brown saga and we'll bust through every single one of the week three games. We'll also have Thursday night football review for you as well. This is The Gridiron Show. Hello. Welcome to the Gridiron Show. Ollie Hunter in the studio. Matthew Sherry in his conservatory in Hartlepool. That's what I'm guessing. Uh, that's correct, mate. That's where the office is. It's sound, it sounding great, man. Like before, it's been echoey or your mic's not been great, but I think you finally, you've got it. You've got it sorted. This is how you're meant to sound. Let's, let's just celebrate at the end of the pod. Okay, it's, man, you know what? It's, it's a great point. I'm, I'm, I may have jinxed <laughs> it. I might be a big old technological Jonah. Um, I do not want that. Now, you're with us because Will Gavin has has done the unthinkable. I know people don't like to talk about fantasy football um, or like to hear about other people's fantasy football, but Will Gavin has on his has completed today a trade for Joe Mixon on one of his his leagues which means that in one team he's got Joe Mixon, Tyreek Hill and someone else who's who's a dreadful human being that resides in the NFL. So I kicked him off for the week. Um he'll still do the Thursday night preview, uh, review, sorry. Um but for now and I'm glad actually because that means I get to spend more time with you Matthew, Matthew Sherry. Thanks buddy. Yeah. It's been so long, hasn't it? It has been. Do you know what? It has. When are you coming down? Are you coming down for the I'll be there. Are you coming I'll down? I'll be there for Raiders Bears oh, and then mate. Probably Texans, Jags, but are you going to Japan soon? Why, I, I am. I'm going to Japan on 17th of October. So I'm, I'll be there for the two Spurs games and then I'll miss the Wembley games. Yeah. I don't but, know what else. Well, I'll see you for the Spurs games. You're not coming down for them? So you're there for Bears Raiders? Yeah, 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 yeah. For the oh, two games. I'll, see you, in, I'll yeah. see you in like 10 minutes. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. Are you coming down for the... Um, we should have done this before. Are you coming down for the weekend? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I'm not. I'm just coming Sunday. Oh, man. Because the 6 o'clock kickoff, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. So we can't go to the Toucan and that Chinese restaurant like we did before? Could go on the Sunday night, but then we'd be missing the games, wouldn't no, we? No, 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 no. Sack that off. We need to watch the games. We need to watch the games. Right, I, I said that I wanted to get your take on Ramsey and Antonio Brown, but we should do that probably incorporated with our week three preview. Um, also, there isn't that much NFL news, so this will be a preview pod getting the expertise from yourself and some other stuff from me. So um, before we get into that, Let's have a listen to how 
Thursday night football sounded. Green Bay Packers at home at Lambeau. Of course, they beat the Philadelphia Eagles, right, Will Gav? Uh, the simple answer, Ollie, is no. Uh, apologies, I'm recording this slightly groggy about eight in the morning. I didn't do it straight after the game. I kind of nodded off in the fourth quarter, then woke back up and rewatched the fourth quarter. That ended up being a great decision. Sometimes if I fall asleep during Thursday night football, I just come back and watch the highlights the next morning. What a great game this was between the Green Bay Packers and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles <clears throat> eventually running out 34 to 27 winners. But it wasn't really the story of the game, was it? Green Bay outgained Philadelphia by 151 yards and ran 14 more plays than the Eagles. And yet came up up that touchdown short, despite twice having real opportunities in the red zone in the fourth quarter. They ended up going three for seven in the red zone. After Philly went that touchdown up, they had that 79-yard drive getting all the way down to the one-yard line. I saw how angry Ollie was getting about the fact that they were running on first down every time. And yet they pulled a San Francisco in Super Bowl 40, uh, 48 and decided to throw four times from the one-yard line. What on earth are you doing? The Eagles then ended up Punting the ball back to Green Bay with just over five minutes to go. Rodgers and the Packers went on the march again. Two third downs got to the seven-yard line with still well over a minute to go. And then the ball popped up out of that sea of bodies into the hands of Nigel Bradham, who ran the play out of the end zone and sent the Packers home with their first loss of the season. Has to be said that Devontae Adams going out of this game with a toe injury in the fourth quarter was huge for, I think, when it came to their red zone completions, because he had an absolutely monster night. There was this big question over in the Matt LaFleur offense, whether with... uh, him now being the, the absolute number one guy, could he step up into that very top tier of receivers? He had a really good game against the Vikings when he went seven for 106, but just four targets caught them all against the Broncos. Tonight, 10 receptions, 180 yards. He just needed to add a touchdown. And maybe if he was still on the field in those last two drives, we would have been talking about uh, a Green Bay win. So that was a little bit unfortunate. This was a great game. I'll get onto the Eagles in a moment. This was a great game. I did see a little too much. Oh, where are the Thursday night football is rubbish crew at? Um, I also saw a few where are the Aaron Rodgers is past it crew. I'm sure Matt Sherry is eating a little bit of humble pie this morning because it was a brilliant Rodgers performance in that Lafleur offense. But <clears throat> uh, bad injuries to Jamal Williams, Avante Maddox with both uh, players said to have movement in all their extremities, but serious head in or neck injuries to both of them. The Packers also lost Kevin King, Tony Brown, Will Redmond, and Brian Bulaga on the night. You know, Thursday night football, I still maintain, is not good for both quality. I know it was good last night, but, you know, on average, what, seven games out of ten aren't good? Eight games out of ten aren't good? Compared with the normal NFL where you're getting at least five or six good one-score games in the average game week. That's not good enough. Uh, but the, I, it's also the player readiness, the player, like... The amount of time to turn around from a Sunday to a Thursday just sometimes isn't enough and it can affect these injuries. So let's rein that in a little bit. The whole Thursday night football uh, crew can, is rubbish crew, seem quiet on Twitter tonight. Interesting with Devontae, Avante Maddox, sorry, going down. 
weeks. I mean, they were already thin at corner in Green Bay um, with Ronald Darby out, with Sidney Jones out. I mean, Devontae Adams, part of the reason he had such a big day. Uh, Maddox was beaten. Russell Douglas was beaten by Adams as well in a big way. We've seen that Howie Roseman is a man willing to move and shake. I just wonder if there's a call going into Duval County this morning just to see what kind of deal he can get for the new father, Jalen Ramsey. For the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Alshon Jeffrey coming back uh, was great. Um, picked up the first score for, for the Eagles. Uh, three receptions off nine targets isn't a great rate, but it just opened up their offense. And what that did was brought the run game out. There are a few times on the on the broadcast that Buck was talking about they have a, a league record 31, well now 32 consecutive games without 100-yard rushers. But Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders both went over 70 yards. Miles Sanders, great big playability, 77 yards off two kick returns as well, which set Eagles up in good field position on a couple of occasions. Jordan Howard, exactly what we thought he could be, becoming that goal line back, looking like LeGarrette Blunt in a postseason. Uh, three touchdowns for the second time in his career. The rushing game in Philadelphia is the best that we've seen it last night, pretty much since their Super Bowl run. And that could fix their offensive woes, uh, and it just a bit of a, a bit of a come to earth, uh, a bit of a, a bit of a come home game for the uh, for the Green Bay defense because, and we said this on the last pod, three games is still a small enough sample size where you just might have got lucky with who your opponents were. You know, we're sure, pretty sure the Patriots are good, but let's not forget they've played three zero and three teams, all of whom are struggling in a big way. We've seen the like the 49ers go 3 and 0 but they've played at least two maybe even three bad teams in that. So there there are still ways in which you can you know you can be fooled by this and the fact that Green Bay before this week had played Mitch Trubisky and a failing Bears offense uh, a Broncos offense, which we'll talk about later in the podcast, but with Joe Flacco, who can't convert in the red zone, and he is still a bit statuesque in the pocket. And a Vikings offense who looked good for a stretch and have a good run game, but let's be honest, Kirk Cousins choked it in the big moment. So as much as Smith's Preston and Zadarius had looked brilliant before this week, they were kept quiet tonight because Carson Wentz is much more escapable in the pocket. Because Carson Wentz is much better at manipulating the pocket. He wasn't sacked once. He had a couple of occasions where he was, um, where he was, you know, hands were on him, but he managed to evade the pressure and get the ball either out of bounds or downfield. Um, obviously, their ground game sustained drives, but they were willing to kind of attack the. The Green Bay Green Bay defense up the middle, you know, slot corner and and, and safety, not their strongest positions in pass uh, in the passing game. So I th- I thought Philly looked much much better on offense tonight. I thought Green Bay their defense is still good, but I think it might not be the world beating defense we've been talking about for the first three weeks of the season. And Eagles come out with a much deserved win. Right, let's go back to the guys where uh, they're immediately going to talk about the Broncos again. Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. 
Full terms apply, 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. There we go. What did you predict, Sherry? You predicted an uh, Eagles I mean, win. I, yeah, I think the Eagles are good. The Packers are, I mean, outside of the Bills, the, the, the worst 3-0 team I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I mean, you were talking about Denver on the last pod. Denver have been massively unlucky this year. They got robbed against um, the Bears. They were competitive, if I remember rightly, in week one, even though I can't quite remember who they played. And then they were good against the... They could have won that game against the Packers. That was a great play by Alexander. That yeah. changed the whole game. Uh, they also... Green Bay had that dodgy... Uh, yet another dodgy offensive passing play that yeah. negated a touchdown. I don't agree with the one against the Bears. I didn't agree with the one yeah, with this one against... Shocking. Yeah, I didn't agree with the one against the Broncos. So, you're right. Green Bay are... They are lucky, but they're getting wins when they're playing badly. Who knows what happened? It's a good trip, last. So it's like those Manchester United sides of the nineties when they played badly, they still won. I'm not. Absolutely. I'm not really comparing Green Bay. To those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's let's kick off week three. Let's get them out of the way. Two, three and O teams. New England. They go to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. Um, the, why 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 do the patriots do this every year why are they still so good when they lose players they pick up other players there's 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 the controversy with it all as well i can only see a new england win because that's just they 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 seem to have this spell over all the other teams in the afc disgrace yeah, I mean, the, the you know, this season's interesting because as as we've discussed a few times in the past, that their, their recent routine has been to start quite slowly, and they haven't done that this year because they've got an elite defense. For the first, they've even in the recent playoff runs, they've had elite defenses for stretches of time when it feels like Belichick turns it on at the end of the season. Whereas now they have a purely elite defence in terms of talent, in terms of scheme. So I think that's the difference this year. Um, I actually think this is going to be a good game on Sunday. I think it'll be a close game. I think these are two of the best defences in the NFL. I mean, I, I, I really like Sean McDermott. I feel like I've banged this drum for two years now. Um, I've done a little piece in the game programme for the game in 10 days and I, and I kind of, a little bit of a love affair a love note to McDermott. I think he's a brilliant young coach. I think he's the the least talked about best young coach in football. So I, I think the Bills are a good team. I'm not convinced by Josh Allen, who I think that I think the Patriots will shut Buffalo's offense down. But I think Buffalo will shut New England's offense down, mm. particularly at home. I mean, I think the line on the game is like 44 points. I think it'll be under that. I think if any team gets a 20, they'll win. And New England will probably win because. They've got a good offense, whereas Buffalo's is, I think, a poor offense. And I think the defense is match up about level with each other. I think it's going to be a really good game. And yeah. and that's from a guy who, I mean, I think the Patriots are, this year are, are the best team in football. I don't mm. think they were last year. I know they won the Super Bowl, but but I think this is a tough matchup. That, that's going to be like an asylum as well, that place Sunday. Yeah. You know, those Bills fans are great. The 3-0... Imagine if, so just imagine, and I almost would like to see it from a non-Patriots perspective, the Bills going 4-0 by beating the Patriots at home. I mean, that's that's quite a chip to dangle in front of that crowd. 
it would it would go off as well, wouldn't it? It would absolutely, absolutely go off. And look, they've got Devin Singletree. He missed last week, the rookie. He's was practicing today. That's Thursday. He practiced on Thursday. We'll wait and see what happens with the the Friday report. But looks like he's back on the mend. He's a key piece to come back for them. Um, and yeah, I I like. I like the atmosphere that the crowd will bring, and I think that is more of a leveler than than some uh, hard nosed Patriots man, fans may think. Uh, and and, and, and uh, the only thing I would say is I think Buffalo need a, at least one defensive, either touchdown or turnover in Patriot territory, because you know New England haven't given up a ten yard run. In, in three games. So so this season, they've not given up a single rush over 10 yards. So what does Their that defense... say to you? Does that say that the, the linebacking and the, 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 the been... defensive line are just playing out of their skins or have yeah. they been quite I mean, they're, lucky they're, they're that they've played teams that, that don't necessarily have a run game? Uh, a bit of both, but I, I, mean, I think their defence is, is fantastic on all three levels. I mean, they are literally loaded. that. They've got the best secondary in the league as a starting point, and now they've managed to build this interior defensive line with Danny Shelton, who was a guy who was in the team last year, didn't play well for most of the year, had some nice moments at the end of the season, played well in the Super Bowl, but has gone away in the off-season, won that nose tackle job and is playing well. Lawrence Guy, one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league. And then they've got, you know, Michael Bennett's, Chase Winovich, all these edge rushers. And then the linebacking core might also be certainly the deepest in the NFL. I mean, Jamie Collins has come back from Cleveland and he is like, the best way I could describe him, he's like the Rob Gronkowski in his prime of the defense in that because their linebackers around him is so solid and set, they can move Collins around as this chess piece who can rush off the edge, can cover backs, can cover tight ends. Can, can do a little bit in the run game. And they can move him around play to play. And you can just tell Bill Belichick is now calling the defense as well, which I think makes a massive difference. He's probably the greatest defensive mind in football history. And a confluence of all those factors, they, they're just loaded on defense. Okay, so on gridiron-magazine.com, the, the picker game, the picks challenge game, who are you taking? I'm taking New England, but I, I think it'll be a closer game than, than others are giving it credit for. Uh, to be contra- contrary to you, I'm going to take the Bills because that's like just it. the kind of guy I am. I need to make up some picks already because I'm dreadful at this game. Um, I'm taking the Bills and uh, I'll get your thoughts on Antonio Brown at the end of the podcast. So people keep right. you're going to have to keep listening if you want to hear those from uh, from editor of Gridiron Magazine, editor of the Gridiron Empire, Matthew Sherry. Um <laughs> Next, actually, I'm using the picker challenge for to to go through our games. Next on the list is the Cleveland Browns, and actually, I think this is a sneaky, quite a good game, despite it being an AFC North battle, which is always kind of it can be quite turgid. But they go to the Baltimore Ravens. Will Lamar Jackson bounce back in the passing game against this Browns defense? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they've got a lot of injuries at defensive back Cleveland. So, well, certainly they did They did last Sunday. I'm not sure how those guys are shaping up. But, yeah, I mean, he, I think he should do, ultimately. Um, I, I think the Ravens will win this game easily. I mean, I think they're a much better team than Cleveland. Uh, we, went to the, we went to the Browns-Jets Monday Night Football game, which is 
uh, that the feature in the next magazine is based on that, speaking to a load of current and former players. But I was not impressed by Cleveland. I wasn't impressed by them on Sunday. I mean, they played the Rams close, but I think that's tells us more about the Rams than it does the Browns. I think Kitchens is in way over his head. I actually was impressed with Baltimore against Kansas City. I mean, there's not many teams that are ever going to go into Kansas City and win. They held their own. It was a touchdown game. You know, I like John Harbour going for the two-point conversion. I think it sends a great message early in the season to his team. What he was saying about we're trying to win the game, we're not trying to get into overtime. I liked all that. I like I like what Baltimore are building, and I think they'll win the game easily this week. I'm going to go Baltimore because I've just checked the Browns injury report. This is the Thursday injury report, and you're right. Massive issues in the defensive backfield. Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, uh, Sheldrick Redwine, Demarius Randall, Morgan Burnett all didn't practice Wednesday. So the Thursday one hasn't come down as of yet. That's five. Five of their different two cornerbacks. I mean, that's yeah, that's a lot to overcome. That's massive. And you've got Hollywood Brown, um, who is proving to be a really exciting playmaker and already has that kind of connection with Lamar Jackson. And um, I think the other key element is, um, Baltimore themselves, I don't think, have a great secondary this year. Um, it'll improve as. You know, the L. Thomas situation steadies out and they get used to that. But Wink Martindale is one of the best guys in the league when it comes to disguising his coverages and, and making life uncomfortable for quarterbacks. And for me, that's the Browns' biggest issue outside of having a coach who's in completely over his head is, you know, I think teams have figured out that Baker Mayfield struggles when you show him something different straight after the snap to what he's seen pre-snap. And you'll just watching a bit of the Browns this year and even the way Greg Williams confused him at times when I was in the stadium. I, th- I think people have realised that that is a, a current flaw with Mayfield, one that he can overcome, but that won't happen overnight. And, and I, I just think this is a tough match of ball round for Cleveland. Yeah, I agree. It, it, again, it's that divisional rivalry going to your rivals in Baltimore that, you know, Baltimore um, off the back of that chastening in uh, Arrowhead as well. They've got a point to prove. Lamar Jackson will have a point to prove. So I am with you, Shezza. I am taking the Baltimore Ravens. Right, next on the list is two unbeaten teams. The 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs go to Detroit. Take on the 2-0-1 Detroit Lions. Um, is this a closer game than people may think? Given the, given the Lions are at home, they haven't lost yet. They seem to be grinding out wins or or draws, um, or ties. Sorry, <laughs> and the Chiefs, the Chief, the Chiefs' offense is just so good, though. So good. I mean, I, I think this is arguably the most interesting game of the week because Detroit should be three and zero. I mean. Yes, but they then they could be, also. Yeah. They, there's also an argument that they could possibly. Trying to think what happened in week two, they could definitely be one and two, potentially own three. I mean, they're that kind of team, aren't they? So, what are they? We still don't know. I mean, I think well, two interesting factors. This is the first time Patrick Mahomes has ever played in a dome. So, what we see the numbers he puts up outside in in the NFL, it is yeah, yeah. That, but that's but that's crazy to think that he's been. Uh, I suppose yeah. he's only been in the, in, in the NFL well, just for think one year and one a, season. Uh, yeah. His division is all is is all outdoor, and yeah, I mean, I saw. It, it, I'd love to. Someone can tell us if that isn't true. I saw it on Twitter. I think it is true. Um, so I mean, we see the numbers he puts up outside. So I, I wouldn't expect that to change in a dome. 
The interesting element with Detroit in terms of matching up against the Chiefs, they've got a really good secondary. Uh, they've got, you know, Darius Slay is one of the best cornerbacks in football. Yeah. Justin Coleman is one of the best slot cornerbacks in football. And if you're going to beat the Chiefs, that's the starting point. You know, you need a good secondary. So they've got that in place. My concern would be that even to be, even to even to try and shut down the Chiefs, you're not going to completely shut them down. And I just fear that Matt Stafford can't score point to point with Patrick Mahomes, even if his defense has a good game. If that makes sense. So like, it might not be. 45, they might not score 45, 35, but it might be 28, 18. You know what I mean? Something like, along those lines. I, I think that's the way I see the game going. I think the Chiefs win, but I, I also would say I'm least sure about it, about what Detroit are. And I mean, me and another lad do a against the spread picks thing, and I've picked the Chiefs as one of my games. So maybe that's why I'm talking myself out of it. But <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just interested to know. I mean, what do you think? I, I think the the dome factor is massive. I mean, I think Mahomes in a dome is going to be fun, isn't it? Well, the fact that it rhymes as well just works. Um, Absolutely, Mahomes in a dome. Uh, the the Lions are six and a half point underdogs. It, it's so weird. I find the Lions are a bit like the Packers that we still don't really know maybe after last yeah. night's game we will know but we still don't really know what kind of team they are we know the Packers are great on defense but we know the Lions are great on in in their secondary we know that their wide receivers have oh. have skills you know Marvin Jones yeah. Jr. with that incredible catch last week um Kenny Golladay is he's a massive playmaker you get him the ball oh, he, he could go off rookie. so They've got Kerryon Johnson as their running back. Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. I've just been reminded, though, that the Lions' week two game was the Chargers game, where yeah. the Chargers did literally everything in their power to lose it, and the Lions still only won by three points. So so literally, we're talking about a team that quite easily right now could be 3-0 and or own 3 Yeah. Yeah. And, and, then, and then we look at the other side of the coin. If we just do it at a basic level, against a team who are emphatically 3-0, and you know, and look even more dangerous than last year with Tyreek Hill injured. So if you put it like that, the Chiefs should blow them out. But who knows, man? The Lions and the NFL are unpredictable. Yeah, any given Sunday. And these things, they have... That would be a good title for a book. Do you, do you know what? That would be a good title for a book about, I don't know, the history of the NFL. Interesting. Someone should write that. Someone really should. Someone really should. Not you, though. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so harsh. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. I be- you're still taking them? Yeah, 100%. Okay. That just prevents myself now. I'm back all <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Throughout those four minutes, you went from emphatically taking them to doubting them to taking the Lions, and then, no, actually, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Uh, let's move on to Houston, Texas. The Houston Texans, they take on the Carolina Panthers. The Texans are 2-1. The Panthers are 1-2, and two, but the Panthers got that kind of... Oh, it wasn't a statement victory, but... It was a big old statement from Kyle Allen, wasn't it? Wow, what a performance from him last week. What a story as well. I mean, you know, this is a guy who in his final season of college was benched after after three weeks because he'd thrown four picks. I mean, that's an insane situation. You know, practice squad last year, plays a game at the end of the season and then comes in and does that. I mean, I, I... 
one of my few success stories in the picks last week is I, is I took the Panthers just because I thought, I, I think Arizona have been one of the poorer teams outside of that second half against the aforementioned Detroit Lions. And and Carolina's a good team who, who just, you know, got beaten a tough matchup against the Rams in week one. Then you've got that short week into a, into a game against Tampa Bay, who I think are a decent team that they, that they lose on, it might have been at home actually, not on the road. But, yeah, I, I think that I think Carolina are a good team, but I think this week they're going up against another good team who will ultimately get the job done against them in in Houston. Yeah, it was on. It was at home. It was that Thunder Thursday or Monday yeah. night football, wasn't it? Where the um, the Fox camera guys decided they didn't want to go out in the Thunder, and you had the the two weird camera angles for the first yeah, yeah. quarter and a half and the half an hour break and all of that. Um, yeah. I think the Texans... I mean, Deshaun Watson's spectacular, isn't he? Is it... I mean, it, he is in the MVP conversation for me at this stage of the season. I mean, it's easy to forget that opening game against um, the Saints, you know. That was spectacular. He put them in position to win that game with a spectacular spectacular drive. And, and regardless of what happens after that, we shouldn't forget the work he put in before then. No, and the, the, what he's doing, making the throws, jumping around, he's so much fun to watch. And I know DeAndre Hopkins didn't go off last week, but one of the most improved improved players over the last 18 months or so, the defense is starting to show up. JJ Watt getting stuff done. I, do you know a player that I really like and I think is rather unheralded and you really, the Texans really missed him when he went out last season is Whitney Merciless. I think he's a, a, a really good, really busy um, nuisance of a player he can do can do a lot of things. He can rush. He can drop. He he's good against the run. So I'm I'm taking the Texans. If it was in Carolina or if it was in Charlotte, I'd probably take the Panthers. That much of a coin flip game for me. I'm taking the Texans. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I'm fairly confident on the Texans. I think with this one, I'd. I think the the other element with the Texans that we haven't seen yet is is Will Fuller is working his way back from the uh, from the torn ACL last season. Yeah, and and I think in the past when he's been in the offense, you know they've been so dynamic. And once he gets back fully healthy, I think that offense is going to look really good, especially with Stills inside now. And yeah, I love your point on Merciless. You know, he has been one of the more consistent players in the NFL over the last few years, and then dipped last year, but. Clowney goes out, he ascends to kind of being the number one guy in the edge, and it's been nice to see him play well for the first three weeks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, sometimes they say some good stuff. I think that's a really good point. Thank you, dude. Let's go to Indianapolis. The 2-1 and Colts host the Oakland Raiders, Raiders, the 1-2, and John Gruden-led, insipid, uninspiring, dull Oakland Raiders and I like the Raiders I love the stadium I love the fan base I love tailgating there I loved it when we went out there with with um, touchdown trips I'm a big fan of the Raiders I'm just not a fan and I don't buy in to this John Gruden lark I think the guy is done I know you don't feel that way though I know you don't feel that way I don't and I mean you know they had a really nice win in week one against Denver they started well against Kansas City for, for me, the only problem with the Raiders now is we are starting to see the limitations of Derek Carr. Now, for me, there are two quarterbacks in the NFL who are basically the same guy, and it's Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. Both have had 
moments where you've thought this is a really good player. Cousins before he signs that big contract car, the year he was nearly MVP when Jack Del Rio was the coach. But the problem with both of them is they won't throw the ball downfield. And eventually, you know, it doesn't matter how good the scheme is, you have to take chances throwing the ball downfield. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see the the score in the Packers game tonight because Aaron Rodgers is becoming a little bit like that. And I hate to say it to you, Ollie. No, no, you're right. He's He's not in that category, but these guys are just so safety first conscious. But then what Rodgers doesn't do that these two guys do do is... Throw mind-boggling interceptions <laughs> yeah. that fly in the face of everything, you know, fly in the face of their whole ethos of the way they play the game. And to me, they're just the same guy. And, you know, the only way you can win with Derek Carr is if you put a great defence on the other side of him and give him all the weapons in the world. You know, that, that one year he was MVP level. They had great weapons. They had Amari Cooper. They had uh, Crabtree when he was a good player. Whereas now it just isn't there. And, you know, this is a rebuild for the Raiders. I don't think anybody expects the Raiders to be doing it a, a lot at this point. They, they they didn't go full Miami Dolphins, but they literally tore it apart last year. They traded probably their best two players. So for me, you have to give it time. A lot of young players on the roster. They'll get beat this week because I think one of the success stories of the season so far has been their opponents, the, the Indianapolis Colts, who, you know, the jury is still out on John Gruden. Frank Reich is, along with McDermott, the best young coach in football. Yeah, I loved your point. I think it was on Twitter and then Will nicked it about... Um, that is That did happen, Ali. I heard that. About the, about the Eagles now, it, it looks like Doug Peterson and it, it may not be the guy that we potentially thought he was because of that Super Bowl run and actually Frank Reich is the guy. And I, I, really, I, I didn't have the chance, I don't think to jump in and um, talk to Will about that. So I wanted to give you the props for that. The Colts Thanks. are banged up. Um, T.Y. Hilton is struggling with a with a quad, I think. Uh, they've lost Malik Hooker. Darius Leonard had a concussion. They they are banged up. But I just think they're a better coach team, better team at home. Yeah, I, I, just, I just think they're a good team. I mean, yeah. in, in every sense. I think Brissett's a good quarterback, certainly, in that scheme. There's a stat, I haven't looked it up yet, but I'm going to urge people to go and look it up because I guarantee you that they'll be high in this category that is the hallmark of everything that we know about Frank Reich. In Philadelphia, he was in charge of their third down offensive players. So that season, Philadelphia, the Super Bowl year, were historically good on third and fourth down, like better than anybody's ever been, like something like 60%, obscene numbers. Philly special. And, and I'm pretty sure... Pretty sure the Colts were really good last year on that. And I can guarantee you that right now they'll be in the top five again. It's the hallmark. He's great at calls on third down. And that's important. I just think he's a great coach. And, and yeah, I mean, you look at what's happened to the other guys who left that building in Philadelphia. Um, You know, the... The the quarterback's coach whose name escapes me flamed out in Minnesota. Reich is is the guy for me. I think he takes a lot of credit increasingly for what happened that season for the Eagles. So we're both going Colts, yeah? Yep. Next game on the list, it's the Chargers going to the Dolphins. I'm taking the Chargers, you're taking the Chargers. Next game, let's not talk about the Dolphins. They are an abomination. Let's go to... The, well, actually, I want your thoughts on... I think we're both going to take the New York Giants, despite Saquon Barkley being out for... Could be six to ten weeks. Um, they host Washington. But um, Daniel Jones coming in, and then now the, suddenly the Giants look like a football team again. Yeah, I thought Will made a good point on the last pod. You know, they're, they're, they're interesting again and relevant. And yeah, yeah I think... 
think there's a good chance that two and all because I mean Washington are a disaster. I mean Jay Gruden is is honestly I'd, I'm stunned, absolutely stunned. He's still got a, an NFL head coaching job. I think he's absolutely clueless. And and worse than that, you know. The team doesn't even look... They're not well-conditioned for a start. They're, they're bad in the fourth quarter of every game they ever play. There's a million issues with Washington. I mean, they're, they're a shambles. Yeah, absolute shambles. Let's move on. We're both taking the Giants in that one. We've got two one-and-two teams, the Tennessee Titans and the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons at home. Um, what, what do you make of the Falcons this year? <sighs> I don't know what to make of either of the teams, to be honest. Classic cases of what Atlanta, are they? A, a, a classic, like, this is a matchup between two teams who are so similar, you know. I can look at their rosters and I can point to six, seven, eight players and say, look at how talented this team is. This is why they should be really good. Um, I can look at their sideline and say, Dan Quinn isn't a great coach. Um, Vrabel I quite like as a, as a figurehead head coach, but... He's got a good defensive coordinator. He's got a terrible offensive coordinator that's just a continuation of the disastrous offense that Matt LaFleur ran there last year. Um, coordinators for Atlanta, they've changed them. It doesn't look like it's improved anything. Quinn's taken back defensive play calling. You know, it, I, I have no idea. what Anything could happen in this game, and it wouldn't surprise me. I lean towards Atlanta. I, I liked what they did in the second half against Indianapolis last week. They made some good plays. They were good at the end of the game against the Eagles in week two as well. But, I mean, who knows, man? This this is... Talk about two teams that just completely baffle me in numerous ways. I'd like Tennessee to get Dion Lewis more involved. He's one of the most dynamic weapons in the NFL. Use him. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I just don't get it. And the fact that they sometimes used him as the North-South guy rather than Derrick Henry, who they then used out of the backfield. Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre stuff. I think I'm taking the Falcons, but if this was in Yeah, Tennessee, I agree. I think if this was in Tennessee, you take Tennessee. But then Tennessee have a way of losing games when you think they're going to win them and vice versa. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. We're going in. Those are the six o'clock games. The Arizona Cardinals, they host the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks losing bizarrely last week against the Saints. The Cardinals, I think... I mean, I've said it. I said it from the very first moment that I saw Kyler Murray line up, line up, not even at centre, but as the quarterback. I think it was in the shotgun. He was standing next to David Johnson, who isn't the biggest bloke on the planet, and Kyler Murray looked like a child. Uh, I just, I just don't think he's an NFL quarterback, and I'd, be, I'd love to be proved wrong. And what do I know? I'm just some English bloke the other side of the channel, but or the Atlantic, sorry, but. I'm just not seeing it with Arizona, and I think. I mean, I think what I what I'm not seeing, I, like I, I get your get your point on Murray completely, um, but I do think that the that the spots of light that we've seen from the Cardinals this year have been Murray based. You know, they've been when he is when he's thrown the ball downfield. For for me, the I think the Cardinals are probably. Well, I, we've done a. I've done a piece on surprise packages in the game program, and I put the Cardinals' offense down as a surprise package. In that, can you remember when Chip Kelly came to the NFL, and you know it didn't work out in the long yeah. term? But yeah. for the first six weeks, it completely. I've just found it breathtaking. Man, I watched that the Monday Night Football against Washington, and it very, very nearly put it in the book as one of the twenty defining games. But I couldn't, couldn't quite bring myself to do it because there's so many to choose from. Oh, you're but, doing a book, are you, pal? Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Um, but 
they, 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 he captivated us for like five, six weeks. And I thought Kingsbury might do the same thing. If anything, it's been the opposite of that. You know, I think Murray completed 30 passes for about 180 yards last week. It was it was the lowest amount of yards on 30 completions in NFL history. Mm. That's not what we were sold, is it? We sold four wide receivers, throwing it. I mean... The air raid, you don't necessarily throw it down the field. I understand that. It's kind of short routes that receivers are then meant to take and get yards after the catch. But, you know, it isn't working. And for me, if if, Cliff, if Cliff Kingsbury's offense doesn't work, with the quarterback he always wanted to recruit and then drafted first overall, what's the point in him? Because yeah. he's a terrible college head coach in terms of record. He's a bang average college head coach who was massively, massively overpromoted on the basis that he was going to revolutionise the NFL with his offense. So if that doesn't work, what exactly is there left? That, that's that's for me the the question with Arizona. Like. I've been so disappointed for the first three weeks watching that offense. And it's another. It could be a another whole year where the Cardinals have wasted talent and hired people that aren't right for the NFL yeah. game. And if I was a Cardinals fan, looking at these this first three weeks, I'd be petrified for the rest of the rest of the season. I'm taking these Seattle I'm Seahawks. Of, yeah, so am I. But I'm the rest of Kyler Murray's career because at the end yeah. of the day. You're saying there are doubts about how, how tall he is and whether he can be an NFL quarterback. Well, do you know what he's going to make sure he won't be an NFL quarterback? Putting him in a scheme that won't work in the mm. NFL, that's not going to do anything for do you, him. Do you know what? And, you, I mean, Seattle, right. Seattle themselves are infuriating. Like, give me an Andy Reid disciple to come and coach Russell Wilson on offense because that's why they lost the game last week. Yeah. It's why they lose most of their games. Their offense is disgraceful for the level of talent that Russell Wilson is. If you put Russell Wilson in Kansas City's offense, he is Pat Mahomes. Simple as that. That is what he is. And it's absolutely ridiculous what happens. They get behind in games like they did because they, they're going to play every game close when they run the ball on third and three. And, you know, it's going to be a close game. You have a couple of turnovers. You're behind. You need Russell Wilson to rescue. Yeah, it drives me insane, as you can probably tell. And they've been doing it for the last three, four, five well, years. Is, yeah. And and especially the last two years, because, I mean, Brian Schottenheimer, look, I know your dad was a great NFL head coach. You are the worst offensive coordinator <laughs> in the NFL. Not even close. Let's calm Matthew Sherry down with the next game. The Buccaneers, they go to Los Angeles. They take on the Rams. I'm not sure there's... I suppose there is quite a bit to talk about this, because the Rams are 3-0, and but they haven't really got going at all so far this season. Have they? I'm... Oh, well, I mean, it's similar to Green Bay, isn't it? You yeah. know, you look at every game and think, oh, I didn't. I mean, I thought they would destroy Cleveland on Sunday, like absolutely annihilate them. And they never because because teams have figured out how to defend Sean McVay's offense. I mean, that's that's what's happened, isn't it? You know, the Detroit Lions showed a bit of a blueprint last season. Bill Belichick took that on and did what he did in the Super Bowl. And now teams are, are copying it and, and, and ultimately realising if you can stop the stretch running game and then subsequently stop all the play action that comes off the end of that, then it, it becomes difficult. And, you know, Sean McVay is a great coach outside of offence. I think the fact that the 3-0 is a, is a credit to McVay, it shows what good coaching is. But the fascinating test for him now is to, is to reinvent this offence a little bit. And the fascinating question is, can you reinvent the offense with Jared Goff? Because they've paid know, him the man. money now, but I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent convinced, and I never have been. Ollie, you've been in the yeah. in that group, and I've never ever been convinced by Goff, and I, I'm still not. Yeah, yeah, I, it's interesting. 
I don't think, I don't, I think he's like the Steve Davis of quarterbacking. I think he can do some basics all right. Steve as well. Sorry? In just in, in kind of mannerism. That's what I mean. He, he's everything about him is very Steve Davis. He's mechanical. He's robotic. He'll do some good things. But if you want him to do the extraordinary, I don't think he yeah. can. And I don't think he he, he will. So do you, it, it's, he's just a bit boring. Watching the Rams offense, if Todd Gurley's not in it, it's just a bit dull. But even I mean, that's the that's the other element, isn't it? You know, that was a massive mistake. The contract they give Gurley because he he just I, I just don't I don't think he's ever going to be the same guy no. again. I mean, it doesn't look like it. And and you know, you can trace back the point. It's all well and good saying as I just have that they've figured it out schematically. But then also there's an element of you know you take out a guy who was essentially one of the best playmakers in the NFL to to the guy that he's become now who can seemingly only play a few snaps a game. And it's a problem, isn't it? I mean, and also their offensive line is nowhere near as good as it was last season either. So there's problems for the Rams. But I think they'll be 4-0 next week. So (laughs) so do I. (laughs) We've been talking them down, but, you know, the Bucks come in and they had that defeat. I think they got seduced by the Daniel Jones storyline, actually. I think Bruce Arians had a, a brain freeze when it came to the final kick. Either he was covering for someone or he actually thought that the kicker needed, uh, Matt Gay needed an extra 40 seconds or so to compose himself. But then you just had, you had more pressure on if, you, if you're taking that delay of penalty. I thought it was bizarre, but Mike Evans is starting to do stuff. Jameis Winston's looking okay. Yeah, Chris- Chris Godwin's looking good. I mean, I as think well, good and the running, the, the running backs look good, all right too. It's just the defense isn't that great. And but I think the defense has actually played really well. Like you know, that's that's what annoyed me about last Sunday. Is I think Todd Bowles has done as good a job as any coordinator in the league so far this season because there isn't a huge amount of talent yeah, there. But you're you know, right. You're right. He's he's getting the best out of the guys. But that was a that was a real. Hammer blow for them. The one thing I would say on the Rams, finally, their defense has played great. I mean, we always focus on offense, but but you know, the the main man is doing a, a great job on defense again there as ever. Big Wade, yeah, big. We love son of bum. We love him. Um, both taking the Rams. Let's we we're going on. Those were the nine oh five. Oh, it's Will Gavin. Hey, buddy. Hello. Yeah, Willie's here. We're we're um we're on the the nine twenty five games now. Will uh, Will say hello to Sherry? Sherry hello, guys. How are we doing? Oh, hey, buddy. Headphones, but I hope you can hear me. He just said. He just said, "Hey, buddy. <laughs> Why I? Why I? Um, we well, give us a quick, not a quick prediction, but tell me who's going to win between the Buccaneers and the Rams? Will Gavin? Uh, the Rams. Yep, I've yep. got the Rams as well. Oh, right, moving to the nine twenty five <laughs> games. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, they go to the Chicago Bears. Um, this is like, for me, when Chelsea play Manchester United. I don't know who to support. Um, I don't know who I want to win. I'd actually be rather happy with a tie. And do I say, no, I don't ever want a player to be injured because I love watching Khalil Mack, but you know what I mean. Um, I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings because I think their offense is better than Chicago's offense. I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I think Vegas have got this wrong. I mean, Chicago two-point favourites. I think the Vikings will win this game. Um, I, I said before the year, that, I mean, Gary Kubiak is the best signing of the off-season. And it's proven out. I mean, he was always going to do for Dalvin Cook what he's done. And, you know, Dalvin Cook now looks like the best running back in the NFL. So, 
Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I, I I think this Bears offense is still in big trouble. I, st- I don't really understand why the whole offense isn't running through David Montgomery yet. Um, maybe if that happens, but that's just not what the MO is for the offense. So, yeah, I think the Vikings will win. Vikings for me. Vikings for you, Will Gavin? Yeah, why not? I can't hear anything that Sherry's saying, unfortunately, due to a technical error at this end. I mean, maybe I'm being saved because of that. But I'm just yeah, doing my picks good, online. And so, uh, you know, we'll, uh, I'll assume that he was saying something astute. But uh, yes, I'll take the Vikings. Uh, Will, who's going to win between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Denver Broncos? Oh, I think this is a really interesting matchup this weekend because a little bit like we were talking about with um, the Eagles against the Packers for Thursday night when we previewed this game earlier in the week. The Broncos are a team who have to win, who are desperate, almost like the Jags last week on Thursday Night Football, which I think adds an extra wrinkle to it. But Vic Fangio just hasn't been able to get that defense going. If Gardner Minshew's given the time in the pocket that the Broncos have been giving other quarterbacks, plus their defense against Joe Flacco, I'm finding it difficult to look beyond the Jags getting themselves back to 500. Matthew Sherry? I think that I'm 100% convinced that the Broncos will win. Like... I mean, but he's been will, on the Broncos will, will, all year, and they've been terrible. Yeah. And gone zero and three. I mean, have they been terrible, or, or were they robbed in week two against Chicago? And then, as me and Ollie were discussing off mic, robbed slightly in Green Bay as well. You know, a holding penalty for a touchdown that was completely fandom, which I think would have put the Broncos ahead. And I don't think they even got got a field goal at the end of that. You know, a, a bit of a dud in week one. I think they could easily be two and one. I really do. I think they've played quite well on defence as well. You know, they haven't given up more than 27 points yet. And that was at home to the Packers who needed their defence to get them the majority of those points in the in the second half. I mean, I, I, they haven't had sacks, but I think the defence has actually played quite well. I think Flacco's been fine. He's another. He's a little bit like Cousins and, and Derek Kai. And that. I'm, I'm just, sorry, Sherry. I'm going to battle yeah. you on Flacco. Flacco has been fine between the 20s. He's been yeah, dreadful in the red zone. They've not been converting drives when they've come around. He's not started games hot enough. So I think that they will lose a low-scoring game because they can't convert. Possibly. But I just think... I, I think it's unfair to, to, to blame the coach and stuff. I think they've, they've done... A good job in two of the three weeks. As I no say, sacks of... and no interceptions okay. for supposedly a great defensive mind. I mean, they've given up 27 points as the most points they've given up in three games. It's Regardless of how you get there, and, and how many of those Packers points were, were a product of great defensive players, I mean, it, it's not a huge number of points that they've given up, regardless of whether they've had sacks. I mean, but they've not played any good offences yet, and I'm including the Packers yeah. in that. They've played three pretty dross offences, so they've played three pretty dross offences and still not managed to produce defensively. I think that's a fair point, but I I disagree with the, the narrative of... I mean, first of all, the Joe Flacco thing, you know, that it wasn't like they signed Joe Flacco thinking he was going to get them to the Super Bowl. I think they signed him as a guy who'd won a Super Bowl. Maybe they could rescue his career and turn it round. I think they've learned that they can't. He is what he is. He's a little bit like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. He just won't throw the ball downfield anymore, which is amazing for a guy who built his reputation as the, the NFL's best deep ball thrower. But and I... I I see some good signs for the Broncos. I think they'll win this week, and then and then we start to maybe see them turn it round. I am also going to go for the Broncos because I like... Whoa, Willie, why are you being like this? <laughs> Willie did something with one of his fingers that I did not like, and it wasn't sticking it up his nose. Um, I'm going to take the Broncos because I, I think they're due a win, basically, and I'm not particularly... I don't particularly trust 
the Jaguars going away to Mile High. Um, if it was the other way around, the classic Ollie Hunters. <laughs> Here he goes. If it was the other way around, I'd probably take the Jags, but. On this occasion, I'm taking the Broncos. Will Gavin, you are taking. I'm going to take, take the Jags. You're taking the Jaguars. Right. Mania keeps I'd, I'd rolling quite, on I'd, on this podcast. I'd quite like the Jags to be 500 again because it'd be fun if they were decent again. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, right, we're going on to Sunday night football. The Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints. Can the Saints repeat what they did against the Seahawks on Sunday? I last Sunday. I'm going to go to you, Matt Sherry, first. Uh, no, I don't think they can. I mean, I think. Okay, I think thank Vegas you, Matt Sherry. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> no, carry on. No, I mean, I, ju- I just think they've they've overreacted to what to the scoreline in Seattle and not really watched the game last week. You know, that was just a situation where everything that Seattle could do to lose the game in the first half, they did. New Orleans took advantage of that and went on to win the game. But I mean, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't look very good still. I think the Saints' defense has been really good through through the three weeks. But, you know, Dallas are just a well-rounded team. And, you know, Dallas went in and beat them in New Orleans at the end of last season with Drew Brees playing. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't get the win this week. I can see reasons. I can definitely see reasons. The first half performance against the Dolphins, although they righted it last week, a little bit of a wobble from that Cowboys side. And look, I, I think you're underselling how well the Saints played. I know that Pete Carroll had the coaching nightmare, but it was another occasion this season where without Russell Wilson doing ridiculous things, I think the Seahawks team could have lost by 20 points. Any Absolutely. other quarterback back there, and they probably would have lost by 25 points. You know, it was a good Saints performance, if not a great Saints performance. I do fancy the Cowboys to win this game because I think they are so well-rounded on every facet, but don't be surprised at all if the Saints cover the spread or even win this game. I mean, I think the good thing that the Cowboys have is what we saw last week is without Breeze, the 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 New Orleans offense is Alvin Kamara, and and Dallas are uniquely skilled to stop Alvin Kamara just because of how how good and versatile the linebacker core is. So I think that will be the key for me, and and Dallas Dallas get a good win. I'm taking the Cowboys as well, but I'd love the Saints to beat them. I'd love. I don't care about my predictions. I would rather my predictions were wrong and the Saints beat the Cowboys. <laughs> right, we've got one more game, and I don't think we really need to talk about it too much. It's a an AFC North rivalry a big old battle it's the Bengals going to the Steelers on Monday night football uh, let's not talk about this too long too much because we've run a little I long I wouldn't talk about it at all yeah I'm going to take uh, it's such a crap Who game cares? it's such Who a crap ga- do you know what I'm not even going to mark it on the on the picks challenge because I don't care <laughs> if you don't mark it do you get a tie if I it's don't a tie know. do you win <laughs> I, think, I think you should no I one wins if it's a tie <laughs> literally <laughs> Could you imagine being a, a, an ESPN executive with the last three Monday Night Football games? Jets Browns, which I was at, which is one of the worst games I've ever seen. Then it was uh, Bears Washington last week, and now this. It's atrocious. It's one of the worst games that's ever been on Monday Night Football. I think I'll take the Bengals. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Um, we've run very long. I know you guys are about to record the excellent 100 um, podcast. What's going on? What's on it this week? Because Matthew Sherry, if people haven't downloaded it or listened to it, why should can they? I, can I just highlight before Sherry talks here that week five Monday Night Football is 49ers-Browns, which could also be an absolutely terrible game. Just everybody, just take Monday nights off. Why not? <laughs> Sherry, tell, t- tell us about uh, Monday, uh, Monday Night. Don't tell us about that. Tell us about the... the your... Patriots in a few weeks. 
Tell us about your 100 podcasts. I'm I'm muting Willie now. Um, Basically, we look at the schedule every week and we pick out a few games that have some kind of historical significance and then we use that one of the games as a is our route into just talking about some some random thing in NFL history. So, for example, this week's game is Jaguars-Denver, 1996 AFC divisional round game that Jaguars won in Denver. And we're going to talk, it's going to be like a potted history of the 32 teams in the NFL because it's all about expansion teams and, and just how the NFL came to be what it is now as a, as a 32-team league. And we've got Ron Wolf talking about running the expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 70s. And we have Jeff Lagerman, the former Jaguars defensive end, talking about the game in question. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Shezza. I will be downloading. I've downloaded it already. In week seven... Here we go. It's Jets-Patriots. Uh, yeah. And just check this out for week eight Monday Night Football, everyone. Go on. It's the Miami Dolphins oh, no. on primetime in Pittsburgh to face the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers. <laughs> can't they flex that? <laughs> they literally can't. Why can't they flex that? <laughs> oh, my God. The, the, rancid. Absolutely rancid. I promised people at the beginning we'd get Matthew Sherry's thoughts on Jalen Ramsey and Antonio Brown. We'll leave that for another day. Let's leave that for another day. We've gone extremely long at... Gridiron on Twitter, on the socials, Facebook and Instagram. Matthew Sherry, it's M Sherry Gridiron, is it? On no, Twitter? Matt, just Matthew Gridiron. Man. Matthew Gridiron, at Ollie Hunter, at Talk Gav. Um, <laughs> any, <laughs> what? Nob. <laughs> what? Yeah, so mimsy. Yeah, it was. It was so mimsy. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. We Danes are a modest bunch. We enjoy simple pleasures. As such, we tend not to blow our own trumpets. But since Carlsberg Export has a refined, full-bodied and rather satisfying taste, perhaps just this once. Too much? Probably. Carlsberg Export, probably the most modest beer in the world. Enjoy responsibly. Drink aware.co.uk for the facts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.